we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center. And today we're going to talk about something called Alternatives to Detention. ATD is the shorthand. And what it is, is as it suggests, it's a program, programs really, by ICE to take the place of the legally mandated detention of illegal border crossers and certain others who are in immigration proceedings. In other words, instead of holding them in a detention facility, which the law mandates, apparently they just blow that part off and they have developed these alternatives to detention, which the anti-borders advocacy groups have pushed as an alternative, obviously, to detention. And now that we have an administration that isn't detaining many people and has a fair number of people in this ATD, the same advocacy groups are now saying ATD is too bad and they shouldn't have any, they should just be all on the honor system and just let go. But this alternatives to detention, it's a pretty big program, costs a lot of money, there's a lot to it, a lot of discussion about it among advocates and in Congress, and I thought it would be good to shed a little light on what it is. And so we have two people on our staff who know a good deal about this. John Fury is going to be introducing sort of the basics of what's going on with ATD. And also Jessica Vaughn has joined us, who's going to be talking about it as well. And so there's a lot of wrinkles to this. There's a lot of issues. A lot of the numbers you may have heard about how effective this is are just not what the people presenting them, they don't mean what you think they mean. So, John, why don't you start with just telling us what does it mean? What are alternatives to detention? Well, the best case scenario, of course, is an alien being detained during their pendency of their case so that we know when there is an actual outcome, we can release them into the U.S. if they've won their case or they are instead losing their case and are being put in back into ICE removal proceedings and, and deported from the country. Which is kind of the point. In other words, you detain them so you know where they are. When they lose, you can send them back instead of they're just disappearing into the wind. But as you noted, of course, the advocates of limited immigration enforcement have been pushing for releases of aliens out of detention. And they've pushed for years for this alternative to detention which is basically monitoring by ICE as the individuals are allowed to go where they wish in the United States as we await the outcome of their immigration proceeding, which could take many years, of course. So what kind of ways do they keep track of people? So the forms of ATD monitoring include GPS ankle bracelets, which is what people generally think of, mm-hmm. telephonic reporting where the aliens are expected to call in to an ICE case supervisor on a regular basis, and a new cell phone application called SmartLink, which was started as a pilot program in 2018. Let me give you the numbers, though, because it isn't all ankle bracelet monitoring. Which is what everybody thinks, right? So as of this writing, there are over 300,000 illegal aliens being monitored through ATD and only about 24,000 aliens in detention. We had somewhere around 50,000 aliens in detention 
at ICE uh, under the Trump administration. But the push is obviously moving everyone towards alternatives. Of these 300,000 plus who are being monitored through ATD, just under 6,000 are enrolled in the ankle bracelet GPS monitoring program. The remainder of it, almost all of it, is on that cell phone technology. So which it's again, like 2% are ankle bracelets. That's about it. Yes. Even though that's kind of what everybody thinks of this as. That's right. right? And again, everyone has shifted to this pilot program. Mm-hmm. And there's still some uncertainty to a lot of people as to its effectiveness because it's, it's relatively new. And I will say this too, you know, this isn't cheap. Everyone likes to claim this is a very cost-effective program for taxpayers. Well, since 2005, taxpayers have spent over $1.5 billion on these alternative forms of detention. And this is a point that Art Arthur, our colleague, makes about this issue, is that, yes, alternatives to detention are cheaper per day than keeping people in detention. But days add up. They basically make it up with volume, even though it's a lower cost, because people in detention, their cases are resolved. They're addressed more quickly. So that the actual end cost per person, especially if you were to keep somebody in ATD until their cases were resolved, could end up being a lot more, even though the per day cost is less. So, Jessica, when did this start? When did they start doing this? Because, you know, you're supposed to detain people who are illegally crossed the border. That's what the law says. When did this alternatives thing start? Right. Well, The Alternatives to Detention program started in 2004, and there were about 1,600 cases enrolled in it at the time. And the purpose was to have an option for people who were probably not going to flee, not a threat to public safety, and thought to have a good chance of actually getting relief from deportation and succeeding in their asylum application or their immigration case. And so that's why they were likely to comply with their immigration proceedings. So reiterate the number. You said it started with 1,600, 1,600 people? Yes, 1,600 people. And now it's 300,000 plus. Right. And today it is more than 350,000 people. Wow. And that's mainly because the types of cases have changed and because it is not now truly an alternative program for low risk cases, but it is now really kind of a show of fake interest in enforcement. Most of the people who are being caught and then released and allowed to stay in the United States on parole are being enrolled in this program. And there are so many people crossing the border illegally now who are being allowed to stay. That's why the size of the program has grown, because the Biden administration has been enrolling them in its version of ATD. But this version is quite different from the way this program traditionally had been run, where there was more intensive supervision over the cases. And the intent was that they would actually complete their immigration proceedings. Everything's different now. And I think it's important to pay attention also to what the Biden administration's vision of the future of this program is, which is not so much focused on monitoring, but what they want is for this to be transformed into a service providing program where the purpose of it is to provide counseling and mental health treatment and and help getting jobs 
rather than seeing to it that the aliens actually comply with their immigration proceedings. I want to definitely discuss that because that is where this is going, turning into basically a kind of welfare program. But what I want to start with first is the claims about how effective this is. I mean, first of all, it's not really an alternative to detention. Initially, it would have been. If there were 1,600 people in it and there were way more people than that detained, it was sort of an auxiliary ancillary program. Now, detention has turned into the alternative to alternatives to detention. In other words, almost everybody is in this supposed alternative detention. Only a handful of people end up actually being detained. Right. I think that's exactly right. And I think what Jessica pointed out about how this is being used is accurate because it's what this really is, the way I see it, it's an effort to create a sense of security for people coming across the border right now at this very moment. If they were coming across and just immediately being allowed to disappear, and no monitoring whatsoever. The executive branch would have to say, look, you don't have enough detention for us, so of course we have to release them. The response to that from Congress, in theory, would be more detention. But to avoid that, the executive branch, this administration, says, don't worry, even though we don't have a lot of bed space, we're not asking for more because we are going to be monitoring them through this wonderful technology. It's a release valve for the concerns the pressure they Political might get from Congress about keeping track sense, of these is really people. what it is. In other words, it's a way to pretend that they're tracking people. And that's what I want to get to is the claims are from the administration and the advocacy groups, this is super effective. Everybody on this shows up. Nobody absconds. It's wonderful. What's the problem with you haters? And John, if you could tell us why it's not all that it's made out to be. Well, we spent a lot of time digging into this at ICE. And it, it was very, very difficult to get to the ground truth of how these numbers all added up. And the very first thing that stood out was the fact that most people enrolled into the program are taken out of the program within 12 to 18 months. Now, I think it's even quicker than that. It's somewhere around 12 months or less that the aliens actually monitored. And so this is, this is an important point. A person, say, comes across the border illegally, what have you, he's, instead of being detained as the law requires, he is put into one of these alternatives to detention. But after a year or so, if he actually shows up and doesn't, like, cut off his ankle bracelet or stop calling in or whatever, they just graduate him from the program, and that's the end of it. So, in a sense, what we're seeing and as I understand it, very few people do, in fact, cut off their ankle bracelets or whatever. It still happens, but it's not all that common. So the problem here that you're identifying is not so much that the aliens break the law by evading monitoring one way or another. It's the government that's breaking the law by removing the aliens from monitoring without the aliens doing anything at all. It's the government deciding to break the law, basically. Yes. I mean, thousands of aliens are absconding from this program, sure. of course. But it's so big that most people who are removed from it are removed by the government rather than the aliens doing it on their own. And that brings us to the question of what is the utility of this and, and the metrics claiming that it's you know, 90-something percent effective. Well, we're really only looking at those 12 months that they're, that they're enrolled in this program. And the metric that the government often uses is, well, how often are they showing up to their court cases? That's really what they're saying. 99% show up at their court who are, who are be 99% who are being monitored while they're monitored show up for their court cases. But as we all know, there are very few court cases the first year an alien is in the system. 
These court cases can go on for two, three, four years. And that's long after they're outside of ATD enrollment. In fact, as I understand it, more than 90% of people on ATD are actually removed from it by the government before their cases are completed. And a number of individuals who were on ATD, as soon as they discover that the case is going south and they abscond, well, guess what? ICE has to go out and locate them anyway through you know, fugitive operations teams. So it's not like this program is all that helpful necessarily. Obviously, some of the data that's collected during the time period they're on it can be useful. You can see where they're going to work potentially or you know, how they spend their day. But otherwise, it's a very small period of time that an alien's monitored and a very limited amount of information that is obtained through this. So Jessica, if let's just hypothetically assume that aliens were kept on ATD, in other words, they weren't just sprung by the government after a year or so, could this be used effectively? What kind of sanctions would there have to be for something like this to actually potentially be able to work? Potentially, it could work. And, and that brings up really a fundamental question here is what is the purpose of ATD? Is it to make sure that people comply with their proceedings or something different? Or is it really an alternative to enforcement? We know that the average length of stay in ATD is 381 days, but 92% of them are cut loose from ATD before they finish their immigration proceedings. So we really have no idea whether this is really helping the integrity of immigration enforcement and and making sure that people are complying. And that's why this program has been dinged, really ICE has been dinged for its management of this program is because they really have not produced any meaningful metrics to show either the GAO or Congress that there is value to this program, that it is accomplishing some purpose. It could be potentially used effectively for certain kinds of cases if there were actually a consequence for not complying. If, for example, people were enrolled in the program, they were monitored, and if they didn't show up for their immigration proceedings or if they were ordered removed at the end, that they would then be taken into custody and held until they could be removed. And if ICE could keep track of how many people it actually removes who are enrolled in ATD, because right now it's, it's still just a small fraction of the number of people who are in the ATD program. So yeah, potentially it could work for certain types of cases with appropriate consequences, appropriate monitoring, but not in the form that we are currently seeing it run today, where there is no follow-up, there are no consequences for fleeing, and the agency itself is not held to account for what it's doing with the program. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, so like theoretically it could work, but you know, theoretically, if there were less gravity, I could run faster. I mean, the fact is, (laughs) none of the conditions exist under which this could actually be used successfully. I mean, this was my driving issue at ICE. What does ATD do to advance ICE's mission? Find me something. There were two things that we can come up with. One is what I just mentioned. We have some tracking data as to where people go over a period of months, and we can figure out 
their locations. If, if the, someone was available to go and get them. If their address was accurate or inaccurate, we'd probably figure that out. Right. But yes, you had to be willing to actually go out and enforce immigration laws for any of these things to make sense to pay for. But what the other thing was, is that there might be a situation in the future where we're looking for some sort of uh, enforcement strategy. Maybe it's a, a worksite operation. You can use that data to figure out where illegal aliens who have not received EADs, that's the other problem here, but aliens who we know are not supposed to be working are going to a job eight, nine, ten hours a day in the same location. That's probably a work site that HSI, Homeland Security Investigations, should go visit. But the, the open border crowd has, has figured this out, and they're trying to stop this data from being used for enforcement purposes. Interesting. Interesting. So that would get rid of that value right, altogether. Right. But you know what? I've seen cases, too, when back in the day under the Obama administration, when a lot of the people enrolled in the program were criminal aliens who were not being detained, even when they got news of somebody absconding, whether, you know, in one case, cutting off their ankle bracelet, even then, ICE never moved to take these people back into custody. Right. So this is one of the big problems. We have millions and millions of people who need to be located, arrested and removed. Does it make sense for ICE to spend its resources going and doing a, a larger operation, targeted two-week-long investigations and finding illegal aliens, putting those numbers on the board? Or does it make sense to put a fugitive operations team to go out and locate one individual, which may take just as much time? Right. Yeah. And basically retail instead of wholesale, kind of. Uh, as uh, there's the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? There's a scene where the governor goes to a radio station. And he passes a couple of people and his son says, Pappy, aren't you going to go and campaign? Here's some constituents. And he says, we aren't one at a time in it, boy. We're mass communicating. And so in a sense, you know, what the idea of fugitive operations teams running after, chasing after one person, sometimes it's going to be necessary because it may be a really bad person. But it seems to me going after sort of larger targets and ATD enabling that by like, okay, well, there's 40 people, our records show, go to work here every morning at 8 a.m. and none of them have work authorization. Let's go raid the place. Makes a lot more sense. And one thing I do want to mention about the data that I think people should understand, first off, only a portion of aliens on, on ATD are even measured for court appearance rates. Oh, wow. Okay. I learned it was somewhere around 75%. I've heard it might be closer to two-thirds of the population. And as I understand it, the reason for this is that ICE officers in the field are allowed to check a box as to whether or not they want to monitor a person for court appearance rates in ATD. Now, maybe the sample is large whether enough. Whether or not they want to? Yeah. And that's, and that's the question that I had. Maybe the sample size is large enough that it doesn't affect court appearance rates. But I was always a little suspicious as to why certain aliens were not monitored. And if it's possible that a portion of them are actually the most problematic and less likely to show up and they're not being monitored, that, that of course, would affect these rates even so more. The, yeah. So, I mean, in a sense, though, let's say, you know, somebody touts that 99% of people on ATD show up for their hearings. But if out of the 300,000 plus people on ATD at any one time, you know, 1,000 of them actually have hearings in a year. Well, let's say 100 of them have a hearing, 99 of them show up. What about the other 299,900 of them? They're not even counted in those statistics. So really, when the other side says ATD is effective, here's this is what percentage. They all show up for their hearings. 
that's literally a meaningless statistic because it's talking about a big percentage of a minuscule number of people. And the other thing, too, digging through all of this data, it got so frustrating to try and figure out how to properly evaluate this program, mostly because ICE kept taking aliens out of the program after a year. What I had ICE do on the inside was keep a portion of aliens on ankle bracelets and let's monitor them for the life cycle or at least enrollment in the program, whether it was ankle bracelets or not. Keep them in the program for the entire life cycle of their immigration proceedings so we can actually see the real rate of absconding or showing up to court hearings. Right. And what ICE decided to do to put this data together relatively quickly was to look at a portion of aliens who had not been taken off of it, who had been on it for some time, and put that data together. And when they looked at aliens who had been enrolled in ATD during the entire life cycle of their case, what they found was that approximately 80 to 90% of aliens on this monitoring program eventually abscond if given enough time. Interesting. Now, I can critique that data myself because it's, again, a sample size right. you know, question, but that was the first time we actually started to see the full life cycle data. And I think if Congress were to require that ICE maintain people in this program for the entire life cycle, we'll get to a much clearer answer as to how effective this really is. Right. Now, Jessica, at the beginning, this is another aspect of this. You had talked about where is this going under this administration? What do they have in mind for ATD? And that they are looking to turn this in sort of jujitsu it from an enforcement program, which is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a way to assist immigration enforcement into basically a kind of welfare program. If you could tell us a little bit about that. Yes. What the Biden administration is looking at doing and what it's asking Congress for money for is to expand a couple of programs that they have piloted. One of them is called the Extended Case Management Services Program. And there are something like 5,000 people enrolled in that at about 55 locations since 2018. Another program is called the Wraparound Stabilization Services Program, which has had about 55,000 people referred to it from ICE recently. The Extended Case Management Services Program, the first one I mentioned, the official purpose of it is to provide assistance to people in getting to their immigration proceedings, their court case, you know, with things like, you know, rides or money for transportation a legal orientation program because they can't officially provide legal representation. But the wraparound stabilization services goes much farther and actually provides therapy, rehab, what they call daily living skills training, child abuse prevention programs, parenting classes, therapy, mental health services, and these kinds of services which go far beyond just monitoring their compliance with, you know, immigration court. And also, of course, happens to be much more expensive and is not really a law enforcement program, but a social services program. And they, they have a similar program for the unaccompanied minors in about 16 metropolitan areas around the country where they provide all kinds of services to the kids who get enrolled in this program. And the other interesting thing is to look at who is coming up with this stuff. 
some of the contractors who are bidding for these contracts to run these programs are groups who have been explicitly against immigration enforcement and, you know, working as advocacy groups on behalf of illegal aliens and against ICE. So it's, it's really kind of turning over the hen house to the foxes in a very real sense. And, and again, a lot of these contracts would be going to people who just don't support the mission and have no intention of helping this work for immigration enforcement, but are cronies of people in the Biden administration and want to fundamentally, you know, abolish ICE through ATD, I guess. Right. Interesting. I mean, the way I look at it is this, it's sort of taking the the model for the refugee resettlement industry, where we have very large NGOs receiving millions and millions and millions of taxpayer dollars to resettle refugees, integrate them into our society, which it's a huge industry. There's a lot of profits being made in this nonprofit industry. We're in the wrong business here, but anyway. (laughs) But at least in that case, we're talking about refugees who are, we've decided as a country that we are going to resettle into the U.S. And a lot of them are coming from desperate backgrounds and do need that help. Here, we're talking about illegal aliens who might be deported next week or two years from now. And yet, as Jessica mentioned, the whole effort here is to create this social services, this wraparound services program, case management, where we're paying for mental health services, cultural orientation programs. And one that I love the most is departure planning and reintegration services for individuals returning to their home countries. The taxpayer is expected to help reintegrate a Honduran national back into Honduras, even though they were just there last year and have friends and family and probably even still have you know, a house to go back to. It is amazing that that's what we're headed towards, but that's the goal. And the bigger thing here too is that it's not just taxpayer money going towards illegal alien social services. It's taking ICE out of the equation. You know, this is being run by DHS, this case management pilot program, CMPP. DHS is running it with all these NGOs who have no law enforcement background and no means to do anything about it if someone violates the term of the program. At least when it's being run by ICE, you have law enforcement officers, you have law enforcement-minded people behind the scenes who are concerned about compliance rates. The goal here is to completely remove law enforcement and ICE out of the immigration detention space altogether. At a recent stakeholders meeting about ATD, I asked the question, How many people had actually been provided those repatriation services that John mentioned? Mm -hmm. And I have not gotten an answer back from the agency, although they had promised to to answer all questions. But I think it's safe to assume that it's not very many people are using the departure services as opposed to the services. Well, you have to deport um, people. To help them here in the country. And that's one question that hasn't been answered. We know even if you take their statistics at face value on compliance and you know you accept that 92% of the people have complied with their immigration proceedings well that's 8% who definitely didn't and what happened to them could they even remove those people <laughs> you know and that's the reason for the law enforcement component that that we need i mean i can tell you between october 2015 and mid june 2020 there are about 40,000 illegal aliens who were being monitored through ATD, who just disappeared. 40,000 people disappeared. Someone has to do something about that. Obviously, it has to be ICE that goes and does something. If you have NGOs running it, there's no hope. 
Additionally, even though ICE is supposed to be screening people for a likelihood of criminality, do they have criminal backgrounds? Are they a public safety threat? Are they a flight risk? Those are things that ICE asks before enrolling someone in ATD. Despite all of that, we have thousands of people absconding, but we also have people who are on ATD who go out and commit crime. So what we saw in running through the data was that since it began, there were over 21,000 aliens who were enrolled in ATD who were subsequently convicted or charged with a criminal act. <laughs> That's not a very good screening process. And if you take ICE out of that and you have NGOs running it, it's never going to improve. So you're robbing a bank, but you have an ankle monitor on. So it's okay. Unbelievable. Essentially, what we're saying here is that alternatives to detention are turning into alternatives to enforcement under this administration. And the issue that's going to come up, I guess, is whether Congress is going to fund more of these programs that turn what's supposed to be a law enforcement program essentially into a welfare program. Is there talk in Congress and appropriations? I mean, they got to deal with the spending bill and the debt limit and what have you of any um, attempt to insert some measures here for the Republican House? Yeah, they're waking up to it. There was a Fox News article, which we can link on our website under this blog, where some members of Congress are looking into why we're spending so much money on these social services. But even getting rid of that, you know, is still, I would say, defense. Right. And if we are going to ensure that this is a law enforcement program, I want to reiterate the fact that we need consequences. It should be a felony if you are enrolled in ATD and you violate the terms of ATD. Right. You should be immediately detained and removed. You should be barred from any immigration proceeding you have. Right now, there's no sense of consequence, so people are absconding left and right. People will respect the program if there are consequences, and there are not. If if we respect the program, That's they'll right. respect the program. That's Any right. thoughts, Jessica? Yeah, I mean, th- there is an opportunity here for Congress and particularly the Appropriations Committee to exercise some control over how this is used. They could specify what the purpose for ATD is, what kinds of cases can be enrolled in it, how the money can be spent, and impose the consequences. And if they're going to allow this kind of tool for ICE, they need to dictate how it is used and how the money is spent. And they have that authority. And we'll see if they're going to be interested in using it. Thank you, Jessica Vaughn and John Fury. We've been talking about alternatives to detention. We'll have in the show notes a link to that foxnews.com story that John referred to and some of our publications as well if you want to learn more about it. This issue is not going to go away, so we'll probably have another show on it maybe next year. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Thanks. And finally, it seems to be dawning on the Biden administration that two years after they created this border disaster that they need to do something about it. If you remember, last week I spoke with Liz Jacobs about the administration's supposed tightening up of the asylum application rules and how those really weren't what they were being sold as. Well, this week, the New York Times reported, and the title of the story is, U.S. is said to consider reinstating detention of migrant families. In other words, that rather than just letting illegal immigrants who bring kids with them go, supposedly they'll detain them. I assume this is a trial balloon that the administration itself leaked to the New York Times just to see how crazy their own supporters would go 
And it is an encouraging sign that after two years, they finally figured out they need to do something. The problem is that like the asylum rule we talked about last week, this is a half measure. They specifically said, again, these are anonymous officials talking to the New York Times, that they would still abide by the Flores court settlement that requires minors to be released from detention, if they're detained at all, no later than 20 days in detention. So they can't keep them more than three weeks in detention. They can keep the parents, but that would mean splitting up the family. And even Trump decided not to do that. So in effect, if they do go through with what this New York Times story is suggesting, all it means is they'll detain the illegal immigrants bringing kids with them for three weeks and then let them go. And what's the difference? This is just another indication that the administration is hoping that half measures can regain control of the border, especially in the run-up to the May end of Title 42, the tool that they're using related to public health emergency, which is now over, that allows Border Patrol to just bounce people back across the border. No hearing, no asylum, no nothing. And it's going to be a big problem when that happens. They seem to think, the administration seems to think that these kind of half measures will address that, and they're not going to work. They'll work a little bit sometimes for a short period of time, but they can't bring themselves to do the supposedly evil Trump measures, and yet they know they have to do something. They're kind of caught in a dead end of their own making. And this is one indication, this New York Times story this week, that they understand that they're stuck in a dead end, but they clearly still don't know how they're going to get out of it. So that's it for this week. This is Mark Krikorian, director of the Center. I want to thank Brian Griffith, our producer, and also our guests this week, John Fury and Jessica Vaughn. Take a look at the show notes for the links to documents that we talked about, and I hope you'll tune in next week. 